Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever in the world you are. Today, I'm really excited. I have Laura as my guest, and she represents Jakara Prince out of Bolton, England. I'm going to hand it over to her to introduce herself and tell you guys a little bit more about her. Hi, so I'm Laura. Um, I started Jakara Prince this year. Um, it's been a bit of a journey to get to where I am now, which I'm sure we'll discuss in more detail. Um, but basically, I make and sell um, prints for home decor, greetings cards. Um, I currently have a few ideas in the pipeline to sort of grow on that a little bit um, and just sort of stand out from the crowd, which kind of came as a bit of a brainwave yesterday so it's very new idea um i make and sell all my own prints i print them at home i score them at home i cut them at home so i do everything myself with them um and yeah i just try to be really positive funny with what i do um just laughter is the best medicine after all uh so yeah let's talk about me <laughs> let's dive in how has your background influenced who you are today? Um, I think, so like as a child, I grew up on, you know, like council estate. It was, it wasn't necessarily like a bad area to live, but it was a low end sort of income area. Um, and I guess I could have got, easily sucked into the sort of lifestyle that people live in around that area um you know not necessarily working um sort of just plodding along in life out further out from where I live like it was a crime area and everything like people in Bolton always refer to it as like a rough part of town so it was like kind of that sort of always something that was told to me like oh where you live is a bit rough so it was like I could have easily adapted and been oh well everybody already thinks I'm I'm rough um but my mom has always been and my dad have always been very go out work for a living make money make sure you've got money to do what you need to do but I always wanted a bit more um, so it was like my mom like worked quite weird hours so I didn't really see her as a kid and now that I've got my own child I'm kind of like I don't really want that for him because I don't really have any memories like when I look back at my mom um, but she's given me that sort of ethos of make sure you work like don't ever just sit around doing nothing like just go out and work whatever it is that you do so I've kind of, I think having her as that sort of figure in my life of she's lived and grown up in this rough area as well, but she has literally gone out and worked any hours that she can to make sure that she give me a good life, has followed me in life. So rather than falling into the, oh, well, I live in this area, nobody else in this area works, which is what the stereotype is for where I lived. And I sort of thought, no, I don't want that. I need to follow what my mum does. But I want to do it better. Um, So it's like, you know, like the latest trendy shoes when I was a kid, she got them this second hand. So she still bought them there, but they were second hand. And it was like, I don't know why that's always stuck with me, but it's kind of like, I want to buy James new stuff. Like, I appreciate everything that my mum did, but I want to buy him new. So that is where I've come from. Like, that sort of mindset of, I just want better, I guess. I think a lot of us can relate to that. And that we're raised by spe uh, specific manners with our parents and specific ways of uh, approaching life. And we think, okay, there's when, as we get older, we realize there's many, many good things that they raised us with. 
but we also want to do a little bit more. We want to tweak it a little bit or do it a little better, as you said. And I think many people that'll be listening can really relate to that. Yeah. I also want to ask you a few questions where you said about um, to work really hard and to earn, and that's how you progress throughout life. And that was a, a way of life that your parents passed down to you. Do you think that that same way of life was passed down to them? Uh, yeah. Um, but from my, like, so I'm lucky enough that all four of my grandparents are still alive. So I know exactly what they would have been like as parents back then. Um, so like for my mom, it was, she was training to be a chef at college. And then when she reached a certain age, it was, no, you're not progressing with your college course, so you need to go out and work. So it was like, my mom wanted to carry on doing her college. But my granddad wouldn't. It's not that, like, I think in his head, it was just, we need this income now, so you need to help us, you need to support us. Like, but whereas with my mum, I don't think she ever would have told me that. She'd have told me to sort of do whatever I wanted because she remembers how that made her feel. So like you said, she's taken what he's sort of given her that go out and work, you need to pay for your way of life. But she's tweaked it to go out and work, but don't not follow your dreams. Like, because she always says like, oh, if I'd have just gone to college, where would I have been now? And I'm like, yeah, but if you'd have gone to college, you wouldn't have me <laughs> because you wouldn't have met my dad. You wouldn't have had me you'd have had a different child. So, like, everything does happen for a reason. Um, and I know that with my dad's parents, like, my granddad was very hardworking. I mean, both... My other granddad's still working now, and he's nearly 80. Like, so they both have, like, a very work ethic sort of mindset. Um, but, yeah, that's definitely been passed on to both my mum and dad. But I think with my mum and dad, it's just a little bit... We was kind of forced to go and work in a job that we didn't like. And that kind of stopped there and we've just sort of plodded along through life. And whereas with me, it was kind of like a, oh, well, go out and get a job, but think about what you want to do. Like, don't just jump into the first thing because it's an income. So she led the path for you to follow your dreams to follow the things that inspire you yeah definitely that's so beautiful are there any times in your life that you've experienced maybe the other side of that coin where people haven't been supportive of you where you've encountered maybe at school or in friend circles or um with males or other people in society where you've been told maybe you weren't enough or it you were too much or your personality was just showing too much or you needed to be more this or more that have you had any of those experiences in your life um I think it's not like anybody sort of come along and stomped on me and sort of tried to really deflate me um I think for me it's like my partner calls me Del boy <laughs> Because I've, even though my mum sort of gave me that option to go to college, do this, do that, um, circumstances happened, it meant that I didn't, like, so basically I've got a tremor in my hand, so I always wanted to be a vet, and I was told when you're 18 you can have beta blockers and they'll stop your tremors. So all my school life, like, I would work into being a vet, and secondary school, I want to be a vet going to college it was kind of like this is the course I'm going to do because I want to be a vet and then 18 came got on these medication it stopped my tremors so I was really excited and then literally like from the tip of my finger all the way down to my palm the skin were coming off so I went back to the doctors and they were like oh you're allergic to them so it was like they took me off them straight away Within a few days, the tremor had returned once it worn out my system. 
So it was kind of like, oh, right, there's the end of that dream. So at 18 years old, like, your whole sort of thing that you've worked towards has just been crushed. And it, where do you go from there? What, what do you do? Like, how do you think at 18? Like, oh, this is what I want to do now. Because throughout school, you've got the time to sit back, think about it. 18 is the time when you start thinking, well, I need money to go out with my friends. I need to do this. I need to do that. So then all of a sudden you fall into a job that you don't want to be in. And mine was working for the child support agency. So it was like 19, 18, 19 years old. I sort of made the decision to leave college because it was like, well, this isn't the path that I'm now following. Like I need to just get out of this mindset and figure out something else. And then it was just... I fell into customer service and I hated it. Um, like, I don't know if you know much about the child support agency. So it's like, you've got mum over here with a child normally. Dad's over here. They've split up. Dad's got to pay mum some money for the child. But normally it's quite bitter because they wouldn't have had to come through the child support agency if it were amicable. So it's like, it was so draining, it was so negative, and I was just so desperate to get out that it was kind of like, right, what can I do to get out of this job? Because I was applying for other jobs and I weren't getting like other jobs that I wanted because I was stuck in customer service and it was these e skill sets. So the only other jobs that I'm good enough for is customer service. So then that sort of led the, could I do something for me? Because over here in the UK, like schools back then, I think they might be a bit open to it now. But back in like 2003, like that sort of time, it was very, oh, go be a teacher, go be a nurse, go be a doctor. It was stuff that was like a solid career path. It wasn't ever go work in HR because like it's a really good job to get into and you actually get quite a good pay pack it for it but it was like as a kid you're thinking oh I don't want to work in an office because you're sort of giving these aspirations to really aim high and it's like well managing the HR team is just as good as any other sort of job so it was kind of like there wasn't really any got be self-employed this is what you could do self-employed this is what you could do working for yourself at school and I think if there'd have been more of that, I'd have definitely got into that path a lot sooner. Um, because I like my own space. I like me. I don't really like being told what to do. I don't like being micromanaged. Um, so, yeah, it was just... It's been a long path to get here. I've tried different things, but every time I've tried something, it sort of taught me a new thing of what not to do or what to do next time so it's like um I've done photography it wasn't necessarily the right time to do it because to do it I'd need a studio or I'd need an outdoor area I don't drive so that rules out going to like really like in Bolton we're surrounded by like open fields and countryside and really pretty areas but they're all so far away that you kind of need a car to get to. So that ruled out doing outdoor photography and weddings and things like that. So I did try with a studio, but I just couldn't market myself right. And that's what I really struggled with. So I took the decision to kind of go back into the world of working um, just because we needed the finances. Nursery is expensive. We couldn't not have an income like from me as well. Um, but kind of looking back, it's like, as much as I loved it, I think I love photography more as a hobby. Um, I'm a little boy likes to take pictures now because he's seen me do it. So it's like, we've got him his own little camera. Um, so I like to do it with just me and him and as a little hobby now, rather than stressing myself out, trying to market it, trying to do it as a career. And then I've sold fudge in the past but I was working full-time hours when I was doing the fudge. So it was kind of like, I didn't make it. It came from over the Pennines. 
but I repackaged it, rebranded it, cut it all up, did all these like mad schemes with it, like, oh, how can I present it? And it was like, I'd finished work at five. It was during lockdown, so I was working at home. My little boy wasn't even one yet. And then it was like, finish working at five, have my tea, try and chill out for a little bit. Then I'd have like 10, 15 orders from that day on Etsy. Like it was doing really well in two or three months. I'd done 300 sales. So it was like, go and package these orders. So then it was, right, see you later, James. Like, I'm going to go into the kitchen there and lock myself away and cut up all this fudge. And it would drain me, like it would make me like quite emotional in the sense that by the time I'd finished, it was time for James to go to bed. So I wasn't really seeing him, but if I wasted until James had gone to bed, then it'd be up until like midnight that I was in the kitchen cutting up all this fudge. And so from that, I've kind of thought, well, like I learned a bit about Etsy from doing it. And I enjoyed doing it and I really enjoyed doing the markets. But maybe I need something that isn't as extreme when you're doing it on your own because cutting up all that fudge on your own and cutting it up, weighing it out while you're working and trying to bring in an income as well at the same time, it just wasn't working. It wasn't the right path at that time. So that sort of got put on the back burner and now I'm in a job that I absolutely love. Like, I work three days a week at a local college. I'm on the admin team, so I don't deal with customers. I don't deal with any sort of third parties from outside. Um, and it's kind of let me sit back and reflect. Rather than being, like, a mouse trapped in a corner of something that they hate and just scratching everywhere to try and get out, I'm actually now sat back and I'm kind of like, right, what can I do? How can I make something work for me? What do I enjoy doing? Um, so I really enjoy doing family trees. So I made some family tree prints like for friends and local people. And then they went on Etsy. Etsy looks a bit bland without anything else. So I was like, oh, what else can I do? And then somebody asked about um, items for her shop so I said oh I make like family tree prints like would you be interested in that she was like oh that's a bit different isn't it like yeah let's talk about it more so I sent one of them down to her and then she was like do you do other prints so I was like I have thought about it in the past but I've never actually like sat there and thought could I do it so I made a few, designed a few, sent them over to her. And she was like, oh, I absolutely love these. Like, can I have some of these in the shop? In the meantime, somebody else has like seen my family tree comment and said, oh, I'd like these in my shop too. And then I've told her like, oh, well, I've done these A5 prints as well. She was like, oh, I love them. Send them down. And do you do greetings cards? So it's kind of like in the last few weeks, it's just kind of gone from one little idea to people actually wanting something else and me then doing it and seeing them love it and going, oh, this is something I can do. This this feeds the creative side of me, but I don't have to be stood in a kitchen cutting up fudge and packaging it. Like I can sit in the living room with my child, do these designs, still interact with him as well. And it's just more suited to me. Um, so yeah, that's how I've got to where I am today. Uh, that's the path that got me here. And yeah, definitely been a bit of a dull boy in the past, but hopefully this is where Thank I'm you so much <laughs> for sharing with us. I'd like to reel back just a little bit and kind of go into some details on some of the things that you shared. Um, yeah. One of them was something I could really relate to. And I just recently had a discussion with my husband was the fact of in school, you were talking about that, um, you know, you have these aspirations to hit really high goals, whether that be doctors or lawyers or um, really, really high specified professions. Yeah though there aren't many pathways towards entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship or um, owning your own business or investments in that type of um, realm. Yeah. 
And I was discussing with him because in the French system, it's, I believe it's very similar that the child nowadays is um, to decide when they're 16, which path they want to choose. And then afterwards, why they can change, it is met with challenges because they've made their choices. And I feel that even if I bring in the American system, yes, there is more flexibility where people can change quite often in degrees or interest and stuff like that. But still, and the underlining fact is that entrepreneurship or owning your own business and being self-employed is really left out of the curriculum when it comes uh, to university or to college in the U.S. Um, and I think that's a major gap in our society is because I do believe that there's people that are waiting to find where can I make money, but also live within my creativity. And yeah that is just a major gap in my opinion do you have thoughts about that uh yeah so I completely agree like um like so I'm a Pisces so apparently we're naturally creative I'm a left-hander so again naturally creative but ask me to draw a picture and you're just going to get a stick man so it was like for me like the only creative thing that school was art but there was nothing else so I mean there was like dressmaking and sewing and things like that but I didn't want to do that um so it was like well I don't really want to do art either but back then anyway it was like you said one track mind kind of you make a decision about what you want to do in life and that's the path that you follow like there's nobody going oh, well, why don't you have a plan B? Like, or if you could do two things, what would you do? Why don't you work towards both of them? And as you grow as a person and you change, you might decide that that path that you was on is actually coming back over here and you want to be over here now. Like, um, so for me, I would never have done art anyway because it was all about drawing and I knew that I couldn't draw. And it was like, so when you came to making that decision in year nine, were you like, how old would you have been? 13, 14? Like, oh, well, what, what do you want to do in year 10 and 11 for your GCSEs? People who were good at art had already established themselves in the first year of secondary school. So they knew, oh, well, I want to go and do art. But whereas you wasn't really focused on, so nobody like sort of sat down and went, Oh, if you'd consider art, we can get you better because you had like one hour a week doing art. So it was like you already had to be good at it to know that you wanted to do it for a GCSE. So there was no kind of area to develop and grow more from doing a stick man to doing a really emotional, like grayscale painting of somebody's face. So that idea never would have entered my mind anyway but had somebody been like oh well you know like here's a, a course about being an entrepreneur and figuring out what business you want to do and where you want to go with it that had been really interesting like I did psychology as a GCSE and even though it was like you sort of Freud or like your general sort of well-known psychological stuff, I really enjoyed delving into it. And it was not necessarily a, this is going to take me anywhere as a career path. It was just something interesting that was on the curriculum that wasn't matched GCSE or geography. So I feel like if you just sort of had something that was a bit closed off in the school age, so it was kind of a, this is a big un umbrella, come and do this course, learn a little bit about having your own business, develop them ideas while you're 14, 15, 16. Think about, this is what happens with business. What can you do in your business? That would have been so much better because then you could have gone to college and maybe niche down and learn something a bit more at college. So if as doing your entrepreneur course, you kind of thought, you know what, I want to be a counsellor. I want to have my own counselling business. 
this is what I want to do. Then for college, you could go, right, I want to be a counsellor. I want to have my own business. I'll go and do psychology. So then you'd kind of have that backbone of your own business and how to run your own business and then develop them skills to get you to having that business. Like, I think that would be such a better way of doing things. And even like things like apprenticeships, like not that they're necessarily like about running your own business, but they were so frowned upon. Like sort of an apprenticeship was for people who weren't really intelligent. Mm. So it was like kind of if you weren't meeting GCSE grades and you weren't even meeting like E's and D's, it was kind of, oh, why don't you do an apprenticeship? And it's like, well, actually, like, an apprenticeship, again, I think could be a really good way of getting into your own business because at 16, you're going out there, you're learning about a business and how that business runs and how it came about, which when you're 18, 19 and finish your apprenticeship, you can either stick with that as a career path or you can take what you've learned and go away and develop your own business. So I think there's... I think there's a bit of a stereotype that, like, I felt were if you were self-employed, it was because you wasn't good enough to get a job somewhere. It was like kind of, oh, well, I've got to be self-employed because I've got to work for myself because nobody will employ me. And apprenticeships were kind of, oh, they're really easy to get into. So this is for the students that aren't as intellectual as the other students. But whereas there should be things that are really bigged up and it should be, well, actually being self-employed teaches you a lot about yourself. You're independent. You can make your own decisions. It's a really positive thing to do if you've got the means to do it. And apprenticeships, go away, learn about the business, speak to the owner of the business, learn how they've got onto their journey and where they are now. Speak to the staff around you who you sat with, being mentored by them, and then potentially use that to go and be self-employed too. So, yeah, I just think schools are really lacking in helping you get on them journeys. Like, they are very career-driven rather than inspiration-driven. And I think it's just a very, like, sort of narrow-minded way of looking at things. And it's just, it needs to be a lot more open at school age because that's that's the age where your brain's developing. That's the age where you're learning who you are. And that's the age where you should be going, what do I want to do with my life? Not being fed, this is what you should be doing with your life. This is what you should be aiming for. Because... To me, being a doctor, like you could be a brain surgeon. It's an amazing job to have. It's an amazing like financial career to follow. But that doesn't mean you're any better than somebody like Leona. Like that Leona would have still had the same struggles and the same sort of experiences and still had to really work hard to be where she is. Maybe as hard, like, maybe not as like hard as what a brain surgeon because I, I well I could never be a brain surgeon with my tremors but it doesn't make her any difference to somebody who is now a top brain surgeon on the NHS they still would have had their struggles they still would have gone down the same paths they just still had to find themselves and why does somebody who's self-employed and a massive success like at a school age, seem any less than somebody who's a brain surgeon. They're still very successful people. They've still worked hard to where they've got to in life. So that should be drilled into kids as well. Like if you work, that that's it at the end of the day, isn't it? If you work hard, then you will get to where you want to get to in life. But you've just got to know where you want to go.
Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us, Laura. I think that's very, very insightful. I, I do have a couple of things to say back and kind of discuss with you. I think this idea that self-employed meant that you were less than or you were incapable is a really interesting idea. And I'm just going to speak to our listeners for just a second. And I want to ask you guys, have you had the same experience? Do you have thoughts about what we're talking about here? Do you think that current school processes and their way that they're um, forcing or indicating to students that they need to decide at a younger age of where their life is going to go? Do you think that's appropriate? Do you think that is the right way to move forward so that we can have a collective society where people love their jobs and they're inspired and they're providing for their families? Another thing, Laura, going back to you, is that it makes it, it makes my heart hurt to hear that you felt and probably many others feel that going into the self-employed realm means that I'm less than like, obviously, I have to support myself or make up my own business and um, to be successful. And in my experiences, I've started entrepreneurship seven years ago now. And I, through my experience, I couldn't disagree more. Like I find that entrepreneurship and being self-employed and running and owning your own business is incredible amount of work. Mm -hmm. It's the amount of skills that you have to master, you have to learn, the amount of times that you have to put yourself out there when you're really uncomfortable, the amount of times that you have to also admit to yourself that you don't know how to go about the next step in your business, and you have to reach out to somebody else to do it, the amount of skills that are required to balance the books, to, um, to market your products, to create your products, to sell your products, to create the web site. All of those things are massive amount of skills. And then for you and I, and I know that many other listeners that will be tuning in, we're also mothers. We have families. And so we have to do that really precarious balance between being an entrepreneur and also uh, being a mother. Yeah. Because I think for every one of us is that being a mother is the most important and finding that balance is very, very difficult. And then you couple that with being a business owner and it can get very, very overwhelming. Yeah. In my own life, I've also experienced sometimes when people feel that what I'm doing online or my businesses online are somehow less than what my husband's doing when he goes in, like he leaves home and goes into his job. And, oh, it's just a hobby for you, Rachel. But for me, it's not. It's like, this is my life. This is my passion. This is what inspires me to get up in the morning and to reach people and to connect with them. This is my purpose in my life. And people need to hear that, that when you compare the brain surgeon to Leona Burton, the CEO of Moms and Business, is they both struggled and they both reached massive success. Yet in society, somebody might be like, oh, well, brain surgeon deserves it more because Leona's probably an overnight success, where none of that is necessarily true. It's both of them had to work day in, day out, long, long hours, connecting with the right people, going through the right processes, learning the right things uh, to become what they are and at the top of their chosen fields. And society really needs to understand that just because somebody works online or they have their own business, it doesn't mean that they're less than. It means that they have just simply chosen a different path and that both people should be respected. Yeah, 100%. Like, um, so like my family not, like there's nobody who's like self-employed or ever been close to being self-employed in my family. Um, and like I said, like it's taken me a few steps to where I am now, where it's clicked, what I want to do. Like my mum's always been supportive of it. Um, 
when I was doing the photography, like she gifted me some money to help me with the startup cost. And it's like, like, no, like I, I feel quite bad because she gave me that money to start up and it was like, that didn't happen for me. But then that's taught me stuff about where I want to go and about how to do it. So she's still invested in me and what I want to do now. And like yesterday we did like a little pop-up and she's the reason that I've now got this new idea. So like going forward, I'm going to be doing seeded paper. Um, so you can give somebody a greetings card and rather than it ending up in some random box that gets shoved to the back of the cupboard or ending up in the just the bin, what they can do is they soak it, they rip it up, put it in some compost and it'll grow wildflowers. So it's like ethical, uh, it's really good for bees because wildflower is like really good for bees as well. And it means that that card that somebody give you, which was like, I I never think about buying cards for people because I think, well, what a waste of time and paper and money. Like, you know, I'm just going to write on this card and just do the same generic message every single time. And it's just going to end up in the bin. So me and my mom were talking about it yesterday and getting really excited about like what else can develop from the seeded paper. Um, <coughs> So more of that is going to come anyway, like down the line for me. But it's like my mum's always been really supportive, but whereas the rest of my family is kind of been like, oh, another idea in the pipeline. Like they don't sort of see that it it's all one learning journey. Like I don't think anybody woke up one morning and went, oh, I'm going to go out there and do this for a living, like as a self help Every single person who is self-employed has probably started off in one place and then developed on that idea and gone to another, or they've stuck at that place where they are, but they've just grown it in a different way. Uh, I know there's a lady who's doing water bottles. I don't know if you've seen her post, but at the start of the year, she was like talking about only making a couple of hundred pounds. And now she's sort of sat down with Leona switch that mindset and she's still doing water bottles but she's reaching a different target like audience so it's like I think there's very much that sort of place that you could go with self-employed so even with self-employed you're still always on a bit of a learning curve you're still always going to potentially go down two different paths and that's what I try and explain to my family it's like like they go oh you're doing prints now like what happened to your fudge well, the fudge didn't work for me. It wasn't right for me. Yes, it was making me money, but it was taking me away from my family. And having a newborn baby under the age of one, that wasn't what I wanted at that time. Like, if he'd have been at school and of school age, that would have been completely different because I probably would have had them days where he was at school to sort of focus and drill down on the fudge and make sure that it was all packaged during the day so that when I picked him up, I had me and him time. But at that point where I was doing it, that wasn't right for me. So I've learned from that, I've developed from that. But to them, it's just, oh, she's trying something else. And it just feels a bit like, oh, well, what's the point of me talking to you about it? Like, they'll share Facebook posts when I put them on Facebook and that, but I know that, like, in the background, they're going, oh, another thing for us to do. But it's like, yeah, but it's all going to get me to the end point, which will be, like, I know that I will have my own business. And maybe down the line, it's not even going to be in prints. Maybe I'll have developed a, something else that fits me a bit more. But right now, I'm so excited about, like, the sort of prospects of what doing what I'm doing can bring and what else am I going to learn from it who am I going to make connections with through it are them connections going to then go oh well actually have you thought of this and it's like I've always thought oh well do pop-up stalls do events and yesterday was absolutely dire like there was nobody in the shop at all so it was like a well-known chain over here I don't know if you've ever heard of Dunelm um 
so it they were like come down come and do a pop-up shop like come and sell in store so it's like you kind of think oh it's a really big chain store like this would be brilliant I had like three inquiries packed up an hour early because it was just like I could be sat at home with my little boy like there was nobody in the store it was sunny outside everybody was probably celebrating the coronation and probably gone oh let's go to the pub have a bit of pub lunch or whatever and we probably saw about 20 people all day but whereas with the seeded paper idea I'm kind of looking at it as a you know there's actual shops that I can approach so eco-friendly farms with gift shops and eco-friendly gift shops just in general like I can approach them and maybe they don't have greetings cards because they don't want just paper in the shop like they want something that's more environmentally friendly so I could like I plan on sending out a mass email to like loads of local places uh, when I'm like the idea is I'm going to make some business cards post them out as well and then the shop themselves could plant the business card and trial it before they even think oh let's take on this stock so it's like that's my idea with it and sort of reaching out to those niche markets but that's moving away from the events and the pop-ups because unless I get the right sort of event I don't think people in the places where I can do pop-ups would want to buy them they wouldn't see the points in buying it because to them it's just a bit of a luxury and it's a bit more of an expense and it's but again I know for a fact my family will be like seeded paper like they'll pull the face at it because they won't get the idea behind it of where it can go so it's like rather than just having a market stall or having a shop front it's reaching out to them connections like reaching out to them people who are around the area and having somebody in a business where I can be like oh yeah you completely understand what I'm going through because my family don't so it is very much they roll their eyes whereas people who follow the same path are a lot more sort of I, I don't even know what the word would be, but it's like, even with my friends, like my friends... Do you mean welcoming? Yeah, like, like my family are supportive. Like, my partner's really supportive. Like, so I had an issue with uh, my supplier who did all the printing and the making for me. Uh, the payment thing went down. It meant that I couldn't get my items out to the stores where they needed to get by the deadline date because they just... I couldn't pay for the items so then it was kind of like I went home and I like I'll be the first to admit I'd gone from being up here thinking oh, I've got these two shops like under my belt and you know there's people who think that this is a good idea and all of this like I'm really excited to then well I can't even order the stock now so if I can't send it to the shop they're going to think that I'm not reliable am I going to lose that shop so I came home and I cried. I got home and I, my partner was just like, oh, you should do it. And I, and I just cried because I was like, I'd gone from being up there to then being down there thinking, well, this is another thing that's not going to work. And then it was just kind of, we had a conversation about it. And it was, why don't you buy your own printer? Like, buy your own printer, print at home, and then you don't have to rely on anybody else. So he's very, he's a bit of an introvert. He, like, he doesn't have a conversation with strangers. He hardly even has a conversation with me. But I know that he's supportive because he suggests things like that, like buy your own printer. And it's, if he'd have thought it was a stupid idea and a stupid pipeline, he wouldn't have suggested that because then it just would have been more crap that's in the house kind of thing. Um. So I think, like, obviously people have the ways of supporting you. And even though my family do roll their eyes, they share my Facebook post. So it's not necessarily that they're not supportive. And I think sometimes you just need to remember that just because people don't really seem interested, it's not because they've not got your back. 
they just don't understand what you're doing. So it's like a group of women who are all self-employed and all working towards their own business and all have their own ideas are 100% going to be clapping, screaming for you. Like, I told my family I had two stores, right? And they just kind of went, all right, that's good. I went to a MIP network for Bolton on Friday and we did like a little 30 second, like, who are you? What do you do? And I said, oh, I've got two shelf spaces in a shop down south. And they all went, wow. And we're clapping because they understand how exciting that is. But whereas like my family don't understand how exciting that is or how much of a big deal it is to me. So even though they were like, oh yeah, well done. It, I didn't get that excitement. And I sat there and I was smiling to myself and I was like, oh, like this is amazing. And it just sort of solidified that whole, this is why I love Mib. <laughs> because it was like, I was kind of like, is it not that much of a big deal? Like my family didn't really react to it. And then a group of like 15 to 20 women have just all clapped, cheered and gone, well done. Like when I said it, so I was like, it is a big deal. Like I can be proud of myself for that. So yeah, I think you've just got to remember like, even if people seem to be trying to knock you down, it may not be that they are, like they just don't realise what they're saying is quite, or how they're acting is a bit deflating. Like when you're excited about something, if they don't understand it, they're not going to get that same excitement. But whereas my mum, like she wanted her own cafe, but never had, the sort of courage to go and get it so it's like for her she completely understands how I'm feeling um you know I might I might still get the oh something else offer but like yesterday when we was talking about like it literally we were talking about the fact that I use recycled paper and then it was oh yeah they do seeded paper as well I've been looking at that and she was like seeded so I told her about it what it was and was like this is what seeded paper is and then for her, it was sort of like that sort of dream idea of her having a cafe sort of then transferred over to, well, what could Laura now do? And she got really excited and she was like throwing all these ideas at me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I could do that. So we were proper like the, the stall where I was meant to be selling what I do at the minute turned into a proper brainstorming opportunity of researching like cost of this paper and we just ended up sat down talking about all this stuff because even though, like, again, take a positive from a negative, that Dunelm experience was absolutely dire. Like, I could have left there going, nobody likes my prints, nobody likes my cards, blah, 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 blah. But instead, it turned into a positive because I've actually niched down a bit more and could now target a smaller audience. And instead of being a little fish in a big pond of like people who do just not just art prints and everything but a lot of people seemingly do art prints and I'm coming into this new and they're all well established and like have these amazing big printers and what have you but now I can come into it and be like I'm doing art prints but here's my twist I think that's really important and going off of that idea where you niche down to, to be more eco-friendly this is the same for my business is that you know there's millions of shops in the world that sell jewelry and I I knew that from the beginning I wanted to work with wood and I was certain because it's eco-friendly I, I mean I've even niche down all of my packaging, doesn't have any plastic, they're all recyclable. Everything that has to do with my business is exactly the same. And so I 100% understand your drive to being eco-friendly because it's the same drive I have with my business. And so, and there is most definitely a niche market for that. People are becoming more and more aware of how um, products are produced and the ethics of companies. Companies. And so you'd want to put that in your marketing. You want to share that with people that like, 
I'm putting my ethics first and foremost so that I can create uh, quality, eco-friendly products. Because I, I, I promise you that there are people out there that want that and they're going to be listening here and they're going to identify with you and your story. And then they're going to come and purchase from you because they have learned about you here on this podcast. They trust that you are one and one with your ethics and that you are putting that into your business and they want to be part of that. Also, I want to talk about the idea that you have all these ideas, you know, I know you've gone from photography to fudge to creating cards to seeded paper. And from the outside, this might look like, my goodness, she can't make up her mind or we're doing all of these things. Yeah. But the reality is, is when you talk to other entrepreneurs, it's exactly the same for all of us is that for me, I have like, 50 ideas coming at me at the same time. I'm like, oh, I could do this. Oh, I could do that. Oh, I could do this. And when I originally decided to launch this podcast, I actually wanted to launch three simultaneously. And one of my friends was saying, okay, well, let's start with the one and move on from there. And it's just like, it's just part of us. It's like built in that we can't be satisfied with just one idea. We must have at least 10. And I I think it's wonderful because it means that you're never going to run out of ideas. It means that you're never going to be stuck thinking, hmm, what should I do next? Because ideas just flow out of you. And it's the same for me. And I know it's the same for many other business owners is that they just have limitless list of ideas and directions that they may want to go or new paths that they want to follow because we just have a lot of interest. And, and this goes back to what go you said as well at the start. Um, do you know where you said like being a part of a collective where people feel the same way as you, but when you're not a part of that collective, you feel like it's just you. Like for so long, like while I've been like darting around idea to idea, I felt like it was a bad thing. And it's like I've kind of sat there and thought like, oh god you know maybe business isn't for me maybe that's why I can't settle on one thing and then obviously like the little side comments off people I oh like I find it funny that my partner calls me Del Boy because like Del Boy loved his life like so to me it's not necessarily a negative but it's like it's also him going oh another another brainwave and it's like to then be in a group of people where you find out that they all started the same way as you like I've gone from thinking like oh god it's such a such a negative thing like is it like it's a negative part of me that I can't settle on one thing to well actually it's not a negative thing that was me learning different things and taking different aspects to build onto the next thing and it's like it's gone from being in photography, being really stressed and not liking the business side of it, to actually realising, well, if I niche right down, I'm targeting a smaller area. Like, with the fudge, I think that works really well because there's not many people on Etsy selling fudge. And there's not many people around selling fudge. Like, normally, you've got to get it pre-packaged in a little supermarket. But actually, it makes a really nice gift idea. So I think I did really well with that because it was quite niche but it just I didn't have the time to do it and now that I'm doing like greetings cards and things like that like gift boxes like things for gardeners like I could have like little cards made for all with like little cups and things like that like so it's I'm sat here now thinking well I can actually expand as well into offering just more than a seeded gift card like even bringing the fudge back into it like because that was a really good unique selling point and people still say to me do you still do the fudge and it's like I do it at Christmas because I like the little Christmas markets but no I could actually incorporate that as a gift with a card like so it's like them ideas are now sort of everything that I did back then is flying back to me now and it's, I've got a big list of stuff that I can do. Like, I know that there's somebody in MIB who does, um, I 
can't remember the lady's name, but she does books. Like, she mm-hmm. does corporate book bo- boxes. And I've even thought, like, once I've done a few designs and everything, I can reach out to her and maybe see if that's something that she'd like to incorporate into her boxes. Because once you're done with the bookmark, they can go away and print it. And as a business, that would be really good to, like, sort of say to their staff, especially if they're eco-minded, like, this is something that we're offering to you. It's not a laminated bookmark. Not that I think there's anything wrong with a laminated bookmark. But for businesses that are having to, like you said, people are a bit more judgmental. Like, like how many of us get a really tiny little thing and go, oh, God, all this packaging for this one little thing. And it's like we are, whether we like to admit it or whether we realise it, everybody is becoming self-conscious. Because otherwise, you wouldn't have looked at that box, that a little tiny, like some of James's toys. I don't know if you've experienced this, but they can be the smallest little toy encased in a load of plastic, a load of cardboard. They're strapped down, they're glued down. And it's like you could have literally just been strapped to like a piece of really thick card. Like that card could have been recycled. Like, you know, like there's different ways of doing stuff. And I know that there's people out there who don't even think about business who will go, oh, look at all this packaging on this one little thing. Um, So I think, like, you've just got to sort of take those ideas, make a note of them, like you said. Like, I'm trying to know these ideas that are all flying around in my head. I'm trying to write them down because I think that's something that I've not done before. I've kind of had an idea and then tried to do it. So the fudge, I'm cutting it up into like little tiny chunks, putting it in a really pretty little bag, tying it with a really little cute bow. And that would just make my life harder. But whereas when I did it last year for the Christmas markets, I cut it into a 150 gram block. I wrapped it in some biodegradable cellophane because, I, like, even back then, I was sort of thinking about the ethics. Um, for my stalls, I'd take it just as the block on a slab, let people look at it. I had some testers out in front of it. I had paper bags that I then wrapped it in. So it was like I knew how to make it easier because I've learned from past experiences. And that's because, like, so now I'm trying to write down what I'm thinking because I know that when it comes to potentially doing it, like I've got an order of seed paper coming, it should be delivered today. I thought I'll just trial a few pieces off Amazon, make sure they work in my printer, uh, make sure that they look how I want them to look. And it's like, then I, I will go back to them ideas that I've had, like the bookmarks, little gift tokens for like nursery nurses and teachers and with a little thank you for helping me grow slogan on them so it's like I've already sort of made a prototype of them um so when the paper comes I will make an actual version of them and I'm thinking oh well I'll give them to nursery like James's nursery I'll give them to everybody who works there ask them to trial it for me and how does it grow does it look nice when it grows like and then I've got pictures to show people this is how it grows (coughs) (coughs) sorry So I've gone from sort of like being a bit, I've got an idea, it's in my head, I'm going to do it. So now I've got an idea, it's in my head, make a note of it. When the excitement has died down, go back and reflect on it. Like, is that still a good idea? Is that something that's going to take up all of my time in the world and take me away from James, which I'm actually trying to spend more time with James? So I think like, like, I've never understood journaling, but now I get it. <laughs> and it's like, oh, this is what journaling is. Like, this is what it does for you. So, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's, I mean, I journal as well. For me, I have a grateful journal. And every night I write three things that I am grateful for in it. And it helps me also, 
stay in a positive mindset because so, if you're always looking for things that you're grateful for then it's much easier to sort of just pass over and gloss over things that maybe aren't going so well um during the day or in your life at the time not to say that those aren't important it's just that you're not spending all of your time and energy focused on the things that aren't going the right way going back into what you were saying um about the packaging yes 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 i um, completely understand. I feel the same way in lots of ways and have experienced that multiple times. And it's the reason that I changed my packaging for my earrings. And um, yes, it is still very nice and high quality. Um, but I tried to recycle things. It, as some of mine has cardboard in it and I've used it from other boxes that I've received from other items. Or when people put a lot of tissue paper in their packaging, then I actually save that and reuse it. Um, in my packaging, I use cellophane, I don't use plastic. And so I can really relate to all of that and making the process easier and um, also being more eco-friendly. And going back to what kind of your excitement that was when you were first responding was, for me, that's the power of a collective that is supportive. Like you were so excited talking about MIV and talking about all of the support that you've received and how people are so excited to hear about your wins. And it's really important that we as women and as business owners, we surround ourselves with people that uplift us and empower us. And because throughout the podcast you've said today is there's many times when you've felt by the people that are closest to you, maybe not as supported as you would have liked. And so it's important that we have another group or people that we can access that really understands what we're going through and that can power us through and also support us with our ideas as we're not every idea that we have, are we going to actually bring to fruition, but it, helps to talk with other people and say, okay, hey, yeah, that's a really great idea. Why don't you couple these together? Or maybe you can leave that one to the side and focus on this one instead. And you writing the ideas down, I think is really smart because I do the same thing. At first it was like, I was bombarded with all these ideas. So now if an idea stays with me for probably more than a day, it doesn't just like float out of my head, then I'm like, okay, I need to write this down because it's obvious some obvious obviously something that keeps coming back to me and I need to look at what would it mean to follow this path for me I'm so I'm a jewelry designer painter I am a copywriter I'm also writing my first children's book I'm hosting my first podcast and I'm also designing new things to come. I'm going to be a ghostwriter for some other people where I write books for them. And so you see that I have lots of little things as well. And I, it's not just me. It's not just you. It's all of us as a collective. Is like That's how we grow and expand is putting our fingers into things that interest us and giving it time for time for us to experience it and think okay is this really the path I want to go down yeah is you know doing all of these things that doesn't mean I'm less focused on one thing or more focused on the other it's like it's all like you said moving in the same direction and yeah. it's important for us to understand that and it's also important for us to spend time with people that are in alignment with our thinking and that are in alignment with the way we want our life to be I want to end the podcast today by asking you just one last question. What advice would you give to someone who is trying to find their path in life? I would probably tell them to just sit down, have time to think, don't rush into anything. But even if you do, and it doesn't work that's not a bad thing like take every single thing as a positive because I think that's what I've learned like over the last year or so like I always try to be a positive person anyway but put a positive spin on everything so the self-employed journey is not an easy one and if you get stuck on the negatives it will never happen for you um like I'm in a place like we're financially okay at the minute 
like, you know, we're doing okay. I'm bringing in an income. I'm in a job that I love. I'm enjoying my life. But when I wasn't, and like I said, it was like a mouse in a corner just trying to scratch and get out. Even though looking back, like, oh, you know, like, maybe I shouldn't have acted like that. But I was just so desperate to get out of the world that I was in and to get into the one that I wanted to be in that I wasn't thinking about the bridge to actually get to that point. I would just throwing ideas at myself, seeing if they worked. Like, like, I guess in a way it's kind of like, do you know the um, tennis ball thing where you put the Velcro disc on your hand and you throw the ball so you've got, like, it was just like throwing the ball and hoping it stuck. Like, that's how I was. But whereas now I'm thinking about it, I'm sitting back, I'm making a note of stuff, and I think that's where the sort of don't let stuff that happens be a negative. Like, yes, they didn't work for me. Yes, they deflated me. Yes, it made me think about throwing in the towel. But now looking back and reflecting on it, because I've had time to sit and think, yeah, it didn't work, but why? Okay, I didn't like that idea. Why? So I'm sort of looking at what I did that was negative and asking myself why, because then that's putting a positive spin on it because I'm going to learn from that. So I think just the whole idea is don't dwell, don't think that you're not good enough because it's not working. It's just that point isn't the right thing for your life there and then. I think that's brilliant advice. Um, and something all of us can relate to the idea that our negative negative experiences in our life are stepping stones to becoming a more positive life is something that I think all of us can take away today. And I want to take a moment to thank you so much, Laura, for uh, talking with us today and chatting with me and sharing your life experiences. It has been such an amazing time having you here with me, and I hope you have enjoyed yourself. Definitely. It's the first time that I've done anything like this. So I, I have like I've loved it. Like because it's I've I've reflected on me as well while I'm talking to you. So it's like you're asking me stuff that people wouldn't normally ask me. So I'm like, oh yeah, like think about it like in more detail. So I definitely recommend doing anything like this for people who are either in the process of starting or even if they're well established, because I think even then you're going to be asking questions to people who are going to sit there and go, oh, nobody's ever asked me that. Like, So I definitely recommend doing something like this. I think it's a brilliant idea. So well done. Thank you so, so much. And that is truly our purpose. My purpose for this podcast is to share our experiences when we've been in the shadows or the struggling times or the negative experiences or the times that people have pushed you down and then how you overcame that and came into the sunshine and into your light and into your most authentic self. If you guys would like to listen to the next podcast, it's going to be June the 8th on Thursday. It'll release at 7 p.m. British time, UK time, and that'll be 1 p.m. U.S. Central Standard Time. I can't wait to hear you guys' thoughts about this podcast, and I'll see you soon.